You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx. Now, it is the rut here in Iowa, and I am currently using Onyx every single day. And I'm using the waypoint functionality most of all. I drop it wherever I set new tree stands. I drop it wherever I see fresh scrapes or rubs or deer movement. Or if I kick a buck up as I'm going to and from, I am marking everything down using a waypoint. And all those little waypoints are all over a map is just more data for me to understand how deer move through the properties that I hunt. I also use the GPS tracking functionality to mark trails from my truck to my tree stand. So when it's dark outside for that morning hunt, I know exactly where I'm going. If you want to find out more about Onyx and the app that goes on your phone, go to onyxmaps.com. All right. So I wish you guys could see me right now because I am laying on the floor in a bedroom at my mom and stepdad's house here. It's November 3rd. I took the morning or it's November 4th. I took the morning off because I had to do some work. And uh, that's the the cool thing about being self-employed is that you you get to do what you want when you want. But at the same time, there's no vacation days. I can't shut off the Sportsman's Nation or I can't shut off Nine Finger Chronicles and say, okay, well, a week, uh, in a week, I'm going to shut everything off. I have to work and I have to upload this. And I'm at my parents, my parents' house and I literally think they have the oldest Wi-Fi in the oldest router, the slowest Wi-Fi, because what takes me about a minute at my house takes me about 30 minutes to do here. So uh, getting all of this, uh, all the content for the Sportsman's Nation put out is uh, a bit of a hassle. But I'm down here in big buck country in Iowa, and uh, man, I have so much I want to talk about, but I want to keep this this uh, episode relatively short because I want everybody to to just listen and I'm I don't want this this podcast to be me telling you what you should do because I don't know what you should do because I don't hunt your properties I don't hunt in Georgia I don't hunt in Maine I don't hunt in Kansas I don't hunt in Minnesota or any other of the 46 states that allow whitetail hunting, right? I hunt in in my um, little part of Iowa, and um, I get a lot of messages uh, this time of year from guys saying, "Dude, I'm so jealous of where you live and what you're what you hunt." 
and yeah, it's awesome. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I am sharing a piece of property with four other bow hunters, right? I just, I just am lucky that I have a higher age class than most and I have good neighbors and I'm in a, a good area, but that's all beside the point, right? Um, there's no script on this podcast. It's just me laying on the floor, spewing thoughts that are in my head. And hopefully what this does is allows you to think, right? And maybe you're do already doing what you need to do, uh, this rut, but maybe you're not. And maybe what I, what I'm about to say makes you think and say, Oh, well, maybe I could change this. Or maybe I should stay the course and already do what I'm doing. Or maybe I need to change this access route. So here's one thing that I've recently been thinking about, and uh, it is terrain and how deer use terrain. And not necessarily the lay of the land, but vegetation and how that vegetation lays on the terrain. So basically it's layers, right? If you can look at uh, a piece of property and just imagine peeling back specific layers, right? So I'm, I'm going to use this for an example. And the example is a square, right? Just a, a flat square, right? And it's just one single plane with no terrain features on it. It's just flat. Now let's add a terrain feature in there. Let's say a, a draw that just goes straight through it east and west right so we know then that if uh, the wind's coming out of the south then more than likely the deer are going to be traveling on the south side of that draw or if the if the wind is coming out of the north then we know that the the deer are more than likely and i'm not saying every time but more than likely going to be traveling on the north side of that draw where the wind is coming over top of that terrain and they're not skylining themselves right so now let's add a layer to that, right? Now let's add uh, some vegetation on that. And let's say that for it's an ag field and that draw runs or that low, let's say now it's a, just a low point, not necessarily a draw. It runs east-west and, but on the northeast side of this square is some really uh, thick vegetation and let's say the rest of it is a crp field or an ag field or whatever right so now what we've done is we've add a layer of vegetation that creates some edge right so now we know that this terrain is a hot spot for travel and then we also now know that there is a square for um uh, the square of vegetation that creates edge. So now we look at the edge and where that edge meets the terrain feature, you can, you can maybe assume that there is higher deer travel, right? Uh, more deer are coming through there, right? So now let's add a layer of sign and maybe in throughout that, uh, throughout that, uh, that square that in the Northeast corner of the square, there are some scrapes, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. I had I had this dream the other day of being able to take apart a piece of property, and like you know, in Sim City where you can build uh, a town. 
I imagined what my farm would look like if I was able to build it. And that had me thinking like, oh my God, I, I should take away the trees and just look at the terrain or I should take away the terrain and just look at the, the trees and the vegetation and where the edge is. And it, it just kind of had me thinking like, what, if you add up all these things, that should be where the deer are moving right? That should be the highest likelihood from a statistics standpoint that you're going to intercept deer movement. Now, this doesn't have anything to do yet with big bucks. This doesn't have anything to do with age class, right? It's just deer movement in general, right? So when you're out there scouting or when I go out and I'm looking for a place to hang a tree stand, I'm looking for these things. I'm looking for where vegetation or edge let's just say a thick bedding area meets a little bit open timber and I'm looking for a terrain feature that's coming in and out of that location. And then I am, uh, I was going to set my tree stand there and then it comes to the strategy of wind directions and how you can hunt it and how you access that. Right. So just to break it down to another level, then I want to talk about this same square but at a micro level. Now let's imagine this square is a um this square is a bedding area, right? And let's just say for all intents and purposes the wind is coming out of the north, right? Now one thing that I've noticed is I hear a lot of people go, "Well, I don't have the wind for that." I don't have, I feel that you should be able to get away and, and this is on a flat surface with no terrain and, and you being able to access this bedding area from any direction, right? I feel that you should be able to hunt a, realistically, you should be able to hunt a bedding area with three, on three different winds or three different, um, I, I take that back on three different areas of the bedding area on one wind. And I'm going to use southwest wind, for example, because uh, I have a uh, southwest wind coming up uh, tomorrow, and I'm going to go into one of my best tree stands um, after a, a big mature buck. Now, here's the deal. When you, when let's say you got this square, and I, I swear to God, I'm not high right now. So if that's what you're thinking, <laughs> if that's what you're thinking, I just have these ideas in my head and I wanted to get them out. Uh, and maybe just me saying them out loud will help me better understand mine, but also better understand your hunting situation. All right. So I got this bedding area. It's roughly a square. Um, on each side of this square is a draw that leads up to a CRP field and to a road. And um, these deer are... are basically in the morning and in the night they're staging in this bedding area or on the on the north side of it so i feel that i should on a, on a southwest wind i feel that that's when i'm seeing most of the movement on trail camera so my access uh i should be able to hunt the northwest corner of it right i should be able to hunt the northeast corner of it I should be able to hunt the southeast corner of it. And then I, sh I won't be able to hunt the southwest corner of it because on a southwest wind, my, uh, my wind is, would be blowing into the bedding area, right? So now it just becomes a matter of access, 
right? So I know that how the deer move through this area, the northwest, uh, the northwest corner of this on a southwest wind is no go because they enter this bedding area from the north, right? So my wind on a northwest on a southwest wind would blow across the trail leading in and out of this bedding area. So if any deer are accessing this bedding area from the north, then uh, my scent would be blowing to them before they even approached it, right? So on a so that eliminates now two areas of of this bedding area to hunt on a southwest wind. Now on a southwest wind, my access route because I said there's a draw on the east side of it, I am walking down into the low spot. I'm, I'm not skylining. I'm staying way low, and then I'm coming all the way up to the northwest corner or the northeast corner of this bedding area, and then I'm taking a hard 90-degree left, and then I'm walking up to the northeast corner of this, what, uh, of this bedding area. So my wind is blowing straight away from the bedding area, and now I'm able to catch all movement coming from the north, right? Now, that stand location, if we're if we're talking about a southwest wind, I could also drop that stand location down to the the uh, southeast corner of the bedding area as well, and get away doing the same exact thing, and that's a little bit more of a risky set because on a southwest wind, the deer could be coming and checking that east side of the bedding area, which there is uh, rubs, not very many scrapes, but there are rubs. And they're coming from the north. They're they're basically scent checking that whole area, right? If they're scent checking uh, the north side, they're scent checking the east side. And uh, on the southeast side of that bedding area, uh, even getting away with a little bit of a north, north or a south, southwest, that'd be a real aggressive wind for the southeast side of that bedding area, even on the northeast side. But I think hopefully I'm painting a description of how I'm hunting specific bedding areas, right? First off, you need to find the bedding area. Second, I feel you need to find all the good access routes and I feel that there's an access route for every wind but you have to know how the terrain dictates the deer movement because that should eliminate specific parts of the uh, of the bedding area and then every wind direction will should should be typically a different access route right now on this particular square of a bedding area you can get away with a west wind and and access from the east you can get away with a northwest wind and access from the the east. Now you can also access it from the the south too if the deer are moving from the north, right? Now let's say you have an east wind uh, or a southeast wind or a northeast wind. Then you're going to need to access that same bedding area from the west, right? So this it's all it's all a matter of how terrain dictates deer movement and what the wind is doing right you obviously don't want your wind to blow into the bedding area and you don't want them to uh, blow directly into where the deer are traveling now you can have that hard, i like to use the 90 degree rule where you're walking to your stand location and then you take a hard 90 degree uh some people call it a j hook right and you're you're looping back around 
and I like even to the point as far as uh, an aggressive aggressive win play is when you are when a deer may be coming through your shooting lane and that's where your wind's at. So they're going to bust you or you're going to shoot them, right? That's, that's, I'm not quite there yet on this particular example, but I really think that uh, there, there's going to be a time this year where I'll be, I'll be throwing that out and uh, that's how aggressive I'm going to be with the wind. Not quite yet because um, I, I don't think that uh, the deer that I'm specifically after are are uh, going bananas yet right I, I think and i've only seen two three-year-olds that have gotten me excited yet past both of them and uh, i don't think the big boys are on their feet yet now we're taking all that out of the equation right now let's say you only have access to a handful of 40 acre pieces right and now let's say you and this is and this is what i would do right then you have to be very selective on your wind, right? Or are you trying to shoot a buck or are you trying to shoot a deer, right? The higher the pressure uh, on these farms or these pieces means the more critical you have to be about your access routes, right? And then you have to start um, taking into consideration maybe where other hunters are at and how you need to flank those other hunters. And your access route is not only dictated by terrain, but now it's dictated by other hunters, right? So in a situation like that, where you have low acreages to hunt, it's high pressure, and let's say there's still the same bedding area, you may have to take that 90 degree or that J-hook may have to be way around and come in uh, from a completely different angle uh, or uh, just way around somebody else. Um, number one, so they don't know that you're hunting there. And number two, so the deer, maybe maybe that other hunter's dumb, and they know he's there. And I've run into this before, where uh, especially for guys who are hunting ladder stands that have been there for like 20 years or several years, um, the deer are keen to that. Right. And they'll work. If you notice, the trails seem to get further and further away from those ladder stands. And they just, they, they just become, they just are, they're, they're outside of that shooting range, especially during bow season. And what I found is you can flank those areas, especially if you're mobile. Right. Um, I, I like to be as mobile as possible this time of year, just because, you know, not only for that, but, man these deer every year could be coming in from a different area and this kind of leads me to be um to a word a specific word and that is observant now i don't know about you but yes there's trails in the woods and we should set up on a trail but if there's anything that i've learned in the next in the last however many uh however many years it is they are not they're they're not locked onto a trail. These deer go wherever they want, whenever they want. And I think the terrain dictates that, but they're not on the same trail every single time. I mean, I've seen deer walk straight lines. I've seen deer walk with their nose to the wind. I've seen deer move with wind to their back, right? So, you know, here I am 
saying these things, but at the same time, everything that I'm saying can be contradicted with specific examples of what's, you know, what I've seen uh, in hunting in the, in the timber. All right. So we've talked, you know, I've talked about my example here and let's kind of real, real quickly cover the areas that I'm hunting. I've already talked about bedding areas and how I'm going to approach that. Um, then we, I'm, dude, I'm not hunting field edges hardly at all. I'm in the timber away from the field edge um, because even this time of year, it's the rut. Th- there's going to be movement. I'm not, I'm not trying to kill a deer. I'm trying to kill a specific deer, right? I'm trying to locate where these doe groups are and then focus on these doe groups or, or these bedding areas that I've, you know, located through scouting. I've located through, you know, uh, tree stand observation. And because does dictate the rut, right? If, if you are looking for, um, if you're looking for a, a big buck this time of year, find a doe group and just wait till he shows up. And if you have a small piece of property that holds good does, just be patient. Because I have a feeling that it's just a matter of time until a buck shows up. Now, you and your state and your area and the deer density kind of dictate what, what you're after. But take the, you know, take the age out of it. Take the antlers out of it. You're, and if you're looking for a buck, find the does this time of year. And uh, sure enough, it's just a matter of time before something shows up. I don't care what state you're in. Now, if it's high pressure, it's nocturnal. I mean, patience plays more of a role there. You know, being observant plays more of a role there. And um, it's almost like you just have to be on your game just a little bit more, especially uh, in, you know, I, I get these messages from guys in uh, Michigan or Pennsylvania who's like, dude, I only hunt X, X amount of acres and uh it, they're highly pressured so what you you need to you need to think outside the box at that point right um if you feel that um you know if you feel that pressure is dictating it you need to you need to be mobile you need to think outside the box and do not be afraid do not be afraid to do a little in-season scouting right uh I know it's a risk going in, but if you're kind of, if, if you're struggling with locating deer or locating a target animal, whether you just want to kill a doe for the freezer or shoot a mature buck, you need to know where they're moving and you need to know where the freshest sign is. Um, and you may not have access to, or, uh, you may not have historical data or it's a new farm. Look for deer tracks on the ground. Look for, um, even small scrapes or small rubs. I mean, that's an indicator of where deer have been. So maybe they'll use that again. Right. And I can't stress, like, I'm just a, I'm just a fan of terrain, right? That's why I don't like hunting field edges because typically a field edge means it's somewhat flat. And yes, they're coming into that at some point. Most of the time it's still at night, but if you just even get 30 yards inside or find what I'm a huge fan of is these staging areas where deer like to hang out before they go out to the fields. 
So you're going to, you're going to see less deer, but what you, what you will see is more deer within shooting range. That's, that's just what I found out once I made that commitment to, to move away from field edges. Now, another thing, and this is something that I kind of did last night is, okay, I'm going in, I'm not seeing anything right now. I need to observe, right? I don't know where the deer are at. My trail cameras have, aren't showing me what I want to see. So now I need to go find some proof with not the trail cameras, but with my eyes and that's finding an observation sit. And that's finding a place where you can see a long ways, right? And this is the only time I will hunt even close to a field edge is if I just want to see what's coming and going, or I'm sitting on the top of a ridge that looks into a valley and I can just see a long ways. Uh, That, my friends, is just an observation sit. And then what I'll use that for is if I see something, a long ways off or it allows, you know, I get that information where it's like, okay, boom, there he is, or there is a target animal or there is does moving through that area. I need to move over there and then play the terrain, play the access, play the wind accordingly. Right. And, um, I don't know why I am thinking about this right now, but there is a saying, I, I don't know if I said this already, but there's a saying from a movie. It's a quote from a movie. I think it's grumpier old men. And the guy goes, you can wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one gets filled up first. And I got to always get a kick out of that. And I can relate that to deer seasons in the past where I may have seen a, a big scrape or I may have seen a big rub or, you know, I may have seen a, a big buck in the past, you know, work this area. And you sit there for three days four days, five days, however many sits you're sitting here, unless it is the perfect pinch point and and you have great access to it. The deer are smelling you when you leave at night, if they're coming through nocturnally, but you can, you can wish that a big buck is going to, you know, come through or a doe, you know, a deer is going to come through, but you know, time just kind of add stacks up against you at that point. So that's why I like to be, you know, that's why you got to move because, or change your access route. It could be as simple as just changing your access route and coming in from a completely different direction. I don't think it's quite time in the rut yet to start throwing Hail Marys, but, uh, that, you know, towards the end of next week, that's going to be that that might be an option. And it also depends on how much time you have, right? If this is your only week to hunt or you only are limited to week, you know, weekends, you know, I don't know your I don't know your uh specific hunting scenario, but being aggressive uh versus being conservative all depends on time that you have and access that you have, right? So for me, I have access to quite a bit of ground. I mean, enough to where I can bounce around. If I get busted in an area, I can go to a different area and, and feel fine, right? So that allows me to be a little bit more aggressive with my uh, my stand placement, my wind direction, my access routes. 
Now, for let's say I shrink that down again, and we're talking about smaller acreage now, I would probably be much more conservative, and I would not be afraid to sit out a day if the wind is not right, right? Um, If you found a really good spot, even if it's a higher pressure area, I would not be afraid to back out for a day, let it rebound, and let the wind shift back into your favor whenever that be. That might be one evening hunt or a morning hunt. That might be a day or two. And being conservative on a smaller piece of property and you know, just planning your attack, planning your strike, and going in and just and just waiting, right? I think I think that's really what separates these guys who it almost seems like they're automatic every year. I think two things. One, they're able to see in layers that we've talked about. They're able to see the terrain. They're able to see the vegetation. They're able to see the access route and use their imagination, right? Just like close their eyes and visualize themselves doing it and and then being patient and knowing that this is a good time to strike or, okay, well, it's a, I got the wrong wind. I can't hunt. I'm just going to lay off. And I'm going to, you know, that's if you're targeting a specific animal, if you're targeting does. And, and I, and again, I don't know how many times I've said that this in this recording, but I, I don't hunt where you hunt. Basically observation, historical data, just slowing down when you go into the timber, right? Being aggressive doesn't mean running into the timber and making poor decisions, uh, you're making your being aggressive is all about planning and all about taking it slow, right? And knowing when to go in and not throwing haste, you know, into the wind and or whatever that term is, and and um, and making poor decisions, right? It's all about it's all about being observant, collecting data, and using that data to make a decision, right? Oh man, there's a huge scrape that just opened up uh, 10, 10, 20 yards down. I need to move 10, 20 yards down. Or um, I need to hunt this stand because I got the perfect wind for it. So I think I may have just rambled for like, I don't know what movie that is. Like, oh, what happened? I just blacked out. Uh, Old school, I think it was. But, um, I don't know if this helped anybody at all. Hopefully it did, but it did help me. Uh, and that's really <laughs> why I recorded it. Uh, just like I'm spitballing. This is, this is how I approach. This is how I approach every sit. Look at the terrain. Look at the vegetation. Look at the wind direction. Look at the sign. And all these little pieces of data allow me to make a decision. And I think that's what everybody should be doing Uh depend you know regardless of if you're going for a big buck regardless if you're going to just fill the freezer and shoot a deer right it's all about data and information and and being able to make decisions based off that and altering your strategy based off the data that you collect from years past and current information so good luck to absolutely 
everybody that's out there uh, hunting right now. It is a grind. You know, if you're if you're struggling right now, take a deep breath. Don't be afraid to sit out a morning and and uh, recharge. I know that's what I'm doing today, but mostly it's work focused. But recharge, take it, take a breath, and just take a look at a map and analyze it and just think over and over. But try not to second guess yourself because then you start to get into a, a problem. And I I do that a lot. I second I start second guessing myself. I'm like, oh man, I should be hunting this stand. Well, maybe I should hunt here. Well, uh, I always tight. I always tend to go with my first gut reaction and uh, I don't, I'm not going to say that that's hurt or helped me in the past, but what it has done is it just, it just takes away all the worry on the back end, right? You just go, okay, well, I think I need to hunt here. So I'm going to go hunt here. Right. And the good thing about wherever it is that you're hunting, you know, unless you hunt in a state that has a rifle season coming up, uh, like, in a couple days or 10, you know, three days, four days, like I think November 10th, I heard is one of the, one of the States, then it might be time to be a little bit more aggressive on, uh, and, uh, that's when second guessing yourself really hurts you when you need to make a decision now. Um, so go make, make your own decisions, think, be observant, um, you know, try to look in layers and most importantly, have fun. Because for all of us, this is that time of year that we just, we daydream about while we're at work. We, you know, when a relative is having some boring ass conversation with you and you're actually thinking about tree stand locations and not whether or not, you know, Aunt Edna um, saw Mount Rushmore or whatever. It's like, Oh yeah, that's an awesome story. Cool. Uh, I'm thinking about access routes. <laughs> so, uh, be safe, be smart, collect that data. And I'm rambling again, but, uh, thank you very much for listening to my insanity here. Uh, thank you to all the sponsors of this podcast because they are really what make this, uh, this whole thing work for me now, you know, now that I'm self-employed doing this prime, Vortex, Ozonix, Wasp, Lone Wolf. Go support those uh, companies and uh, be safe, guys. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.